point, he says, you have died with Christ and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of the world such as, verse 21, don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. Praise God for his word. You may be seated as they take your seat. Let me announce to your neighbor, tell them, died with Christ. As we continue on looking at this letter, uh, Paul to the church of Colossae, we look now here, him writing in a part of this letter of how they should not be condemned or be judged by others, do not be deceived, and how they should really, how they should really live out their lives. Looking at this verse 20, we have him saying, you have died with Christ. To say that someone has died with Christ is to basically say that one is now alive in him. The life one now lives reflects the characteristics of Christ and his teachings. And when you are developing and depending on his teachings and reflections, it will lead one to draw closer to the Lord to, to better know him and to know his grace and the joy of his salvation. And this desire then will see the futility of living in the world and the land of dead. Realizing that this world has fleeting uh, and fleeting presentations of things that will never ever satisfy us. What Jesus has for us and for his fathers is eternal and his joy will last forever. The issue one has with death, though, is that it is a permanent ending of something. Since we died with Christ, we should rejoice to see that death and sin have been permanently defeated by Jesus on the cross when he became our sin offering in the taking on our sins. Is someone here this morning, you also got excited about that, that he has permanently defeated death and sin for our sake, that we have nothing to fear. So this grace work that was done for us should now change how we live. We should now live in fellowship and relationship with Jesus and the church, not living through routines and practices, but seeing that Christ is what makes up religion and not being misled by the world and one's own worldly thoughts. We get caught up doing practices and doing rote rituals that we forget that Christ demands us to have a relationship with him more than having good religion practices. We must see God's grace and come to know it through its work of Jesus and, and how our life through Jesus is now giving us peace with him. So therefore, being, die, being dead with Christ means I'm living for Christ who died to this world. I too died to this world and now I live by grace and no longer by the law. So if I'm living by grace, and no longer by the law, then I will learn to live to know him. First, when we look at this text, looking at verse 16, it says, do not let anyone condemn you. Do not let anyone judge you. And, and look at how he gets into this argument here that some are judging you because how you celebrate the new moon or the Sabbath. 
To us, that means nothing to us because we don't celebrate the new moon. We just get excited. Oh, it's a full moon. We just get excited when we see a full moon. We, we don't make a big deal about it. But in the Hebrews, in the calendar, every new moon began a new month, and they celebrated that new month because it was on a new moon when God set them free. It was on a new moon that he brought them out of captivity, out of Egypt, and, and evoked the promise of taking them into the promised land. So every time they saw a new moon, it would remind them of, of the victory that God has given them and set them free. Even that, that not only did that do they do that monthly, but weekly they celebrated the Sabbath that demonstrated God telling them that on this day you will rest just as I rested when and I made it this earth. So now they have invoked it, these traditions saying, well, you must not be worshiping God and serving God correctly if you don't observe these days. See, we, are, we, we see, can see now, and as we can see then, that how we have limited people from worshiping our God in spirit and in truth by putting regulations on, well, you must do it this way. In order for it to be right. But we see that we are no longer under the law, but we're under grace. Y'all familiar with that song, Amazing Grace? How, how sweet the sound. That, that, why it should be sweet to us, realizing that I cannot keep the law. But by grace, uh, we have been saved. Not by works, so that no man can boast. Uh, aren't you glad that it was the grace that set you free? Because if it was not grace that has set you free, then what could set you free? And you're going to find out nothing can. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So when we look at the hymn writers, got it right, how much more do we need to get it right? Realizing that I can't get it right, but by the blood of Jesus, everything can work out and be right. And so we see here that we need to be careful. Tell your neighbor, be careful. That people start judging you and condemning you and therefore they will start persuading you and pushing you to start having practices uh, that, that demonstrate how much you love God when your heart may be fully far from him because you now have involved in doing rituals and no longer know what you're doing. You have people that have doing things and you ask them, why do you do this? They say, I don't know, but we're just supposed to do it. That's, that has nothing to do with serving God when you don't even know who you're serving. Look what he says in verse 17. It says, for these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. So when we realize that these are only shadows and Christ himself uh, is the reality, he's pointing out to them that what they did in the law was only pointing them to Jesus. What they did in the past was a glimpse of what we will one day behold. And when you look at it, when you look at it, a, a shadow is basically a a. a an abstract image of what it's reflecting. And when you look at the shadow, you can't get the full intake of what's before you. 
You can get the shadow. You can guess uh, uh, what it may look like. But if you see the true object, you can see the details and how beautiful it really is. But only when you see a shadow can I help somebody out. If you stand next to somebody in a shadow, sometimes you can't tell who shadows who. You just know that's their shadow. So you move to find out which one is yours. Oh, that, that's my shadow right there. Yes. But when we realize that the shadow does not give us a clear view, we realize that God came to give us a clear view. It was Jesus. We realize that we beheld him. We beheld his glory. And so, therefore, therefore, there's no need for me to celebrate a new moon as if that's going to draw me closer when I can every day I woke up to celebrate a new day. Lost somebody. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. That every morning I wake up, I experience new mercies, new grace. So I realize that me worshiping God is not based on the date on the calendar, but based on how much today he has blessed me and I'm, I need to give him some praise. I, I need to thank him. And he sure enough deserves the worship. And so the new moon does not represent how much I love him, but every day can represent how much I love him. We, we went through already on the calendar today, February 14th, that many of us realize that it's that one day you can show how much you love your significant other. But you might have found out that if you don't show them before that day, it don't matter. Come the 14th, it doesn't matter. Come then, like, why are you doing it now? It's kind of late now. Yeah, you could have been doing leading up to now. All of a sudden, you want to get in good on the 14th? That's how we can see people trying to serve God, that they can act a fool throughout the week, but come Sunday, they want to get in good. Oh, God, I need a blessing on today. I, I know I acted up throughout the week, but today I showed up. Then looking at how the Sabbath represented rest, and it was a day of rest. But yet, this is still a shadow of the rest to come. Because even when they took them out of Israel, I'm sorry, out of Egypt into Israel, they were entered into rest, but they still did not have rest. Hebrews writer talked about how how much more that God said they were going to have rest there, but they did not have the rest that we will we will fully understand when Jesus comes back again, that we'll find rest from all our pain, all our troubles, all our labors we will find rest to be in there in his presence. And so the rest that we can gain now is just a shadow, just a glimpse of the eternal blessed rest we're going to gain when we find out that there's no more pain there's no more suffering the enemy has been defeated and we can fully enough enjoy the glory and the riches of our lord and so we could just get a shadow right now because we know we want a piece of that right now jesus says come ye all you are heavy burdened and laden you can find rest from your, for, from, for, you know, for your soul, from all these pains, all these labors, all this, you can find rest. Where? By sitting under my teachings. And so when we realize that if Christ is, 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 is the substance and he is the reality, then I need not to sit under people's rituals and people's practices, but I need to get into his word and sit under his teachings, his doctrine, and that's where true rest comes from. 
See, when we allow, when we allow him to guide us and direct us, then we are not called because we, we, we talk about being religious, but yet Christ and being religious are kind of involved, but yet what's more importantly, not only is Christ our, basically our defi- definitive of our religion, but being a Christian is not being religious, but being in relationship Amen. with him. So don't be misled. Live to know him. And when you live to know him, you will live to follow him. And following him, you will not follow man's man ideas. Look at verse 18. Do not let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels, saying they have had visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud. We need to be careful that there's people out there that want you to follow them how to get close to Christ. They're telling you, do what I do. And look what he goes into. Say that the, 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 some exegists and historians suggest that maybe a, a Jew came to this worship and shared with them how they're doing it wrong, how they need to observe these days in order to be fully Christians involved in this knowledge of knowing the God that whom we serve. And then look closely here that he talked about, about self-abasement or humility and having visions. What happened here that you might know this if you know somebody has gone through this, that when you starve yourself, your body becomes depleted, you start having hallucinations. And so people will go through these extent starvings and fastings so that they can have visions. And, 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 and part of this part of humiliation was I am separating myself from this world. I'm depriving myself so I can draw closer to God. Tell your neighbor, don't be deceived. Jesus taught on fasting. He says, when you do fast, keep yourself in good shape. Don't let people know you're fasting even when you're fasting. Cover yourself. Oh, don't look like you're in in bad shape. We, We need to realize that some people are trying to put out a pious and religious perspective and persona that I'm holier than thou, I'm better than thou, so you need to be like me. But yet when you realize that Christ says, just follow me. And when we realize about following him does not mean that I have to humiliate myself and starve myself and do things of, and, and of, you know, you know, other people, they may cut their flesh and do all kinds of things to maim them, to show their sincerity unto God. But God is just saying, all I need you to do is just be dead to this world. When you see, look, look, look about this traditions of man have blinded them. Look at verse 19. It says they are not connected to Christ. They are not connected to Christ, who is the head of the body, for he holds the whole body together with his joints and ligaments, and it grows as God nourishes it. We need to realize that if he's the head, I need to follow the head. We must not be following those who are being fooled by the proud minds, being fooled by the way that they are living, that they think they're living a holy way, but truly they're living a selfish way. Because it's not holy if I'm doing something to tell you I'm holy. I'm doing it for selfish reasons. I'm doing it for you to think which, what I think. I think I'm holy. I want you to think I'm holy. So I'm going to act holy to make you think I'm holy. But the problem is this, that only God can make us holy. 
We cannot make ourselves holy. That's where the law comes back into play. The people say, if I do this according to the law, I'll get myself right. And that has seeped into the world that there's a lot of people that are scared to come into the church because they know they're not right. And they got people out there who aren't right, acting like they're right, scaring the people trying to get right. But if we humble ourselves and we looked at everybody and say, look, I don't have it all together, but it's by his grace. Uh, I have been saved. No, I don't do all of this because people come up to me because they know I'm a pastor. I'm a preacher. I'm a teacher. They say, well, have you read the whole Bible? And I say, yes and no. What do you mean? So I have read all the Bible. I don't understand it all. So I got to keep on reading. Some people get, I read the whole Bible, so what I need to go to church for? I let them know I read the whole Bible too, but I got to keep on going over it, over and over again. Because I can't just open up and say, well, I, I'm going to get to a minor prophet. I can tell you everything. We feel. Oh, I know exactly what says some text I can, but I don't know the whole council. So therefore, I let them know that I don't know everything. That's why I got to lean on Jesus. And, 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 and if I can share how broken I am, how much more do we need to show that to the world? Say, look, here, we need to come together and let God get us both right so we can both walk this walk and talk this talk and live the life we desire. Because really, I can't do it on my own. You can't do it on your own. But together with our Lord and say, we can encourage one another and walk this walk. And so when we realize that, that being a Christian is not based on how, how great I can make myself look, but how great our God is. He is great enough to forgive us. He's great enough to have mercy on us. He's great enough to let us know that it's by grace we have been saved. So when people try to judge your relationship with God based on your practices, let them know that you can't judge me because I'm not serving you. But I'm serving the judge who says hi. And one day we all going to be standing before this great throne. But now that I'm walking on this earth, I have principles, I have instructions, I have directions that he has given to me. And these things I shall do. So don't get caught up trying to tell me what I should not touch and what I should not taste and what I should not eat and how I will be condemned. Because we have a lot of people, a lot of people thinking that because I become a Christian, my life stops. No, when I became a Christian, my life began. And that's what we need to tell them. Some don't think that if I become a Christian, everything fun is going to be ceased. No, once I become a Christian, everything I thought was fun does cease. And I start finding things that are fun and they will never cease. Think about how people talk about their weekends. You ask them, what did you do over the week? They'll tell you, I went to so-and-so. I went on this trip. I did this. We and the family, we did this. What did you do on the weekend? You say nothing. We sure need to tell them that I, this is what I did. Uh, I, I, I spent some time with my family, and we started having a party, and we didn't know what, what to do. Where, where was the party? It was at church. We had a get-together. Matter of fact, we do it every Sunday. You can come to this party, and we started worshiping God. We started waving our hands. We started high-fiving somebody. We were just singing all to the same God together. It was a concern who, who was here because we knew who was here, the guest of honor. It was our Lord and our Savior, and we shown up, had a good time. And guess what? We're going to do it again next weekend. 
You see how we can change the perspective that I'm not going through no rote, no ritual on the weekend, but what I do it is what I love, and I love to worship and serve the awesome, resurrected, living Savior, and I'm going to do it until it comes back, because catch this, I will pick it up in heaven. But the things of this world, they cease. A, a good party, that will end. Uh, oh, this party was as good as the last party. Oh, this party would have been better if so-and-so was here. Or DJ need to change the music up. We can get all this condition of the world and what we like to do in the world. But one thing is for sure that when you think about Jesus and all that he's done for you, I, I, I dare you not to get happy. When you start thinking of his goodness and his mercy, if you start thinking about how he's blessed your children, he's blessed your wife, he's blessed your mother, your father, your family, you start thinking, God, you showing up been good. And there's people out there, there's people out there that want to know this goodness, that want to know this joy. But lies and condemnation have kept them from coming into the fold pious folk, people that are, are far from God, but act like the near God has kept them far away. We need to come and humble ourselves and let them know we don't have it together, but together we can come to our great, benevolent, and loving God, and we can worship him. He can work on our hearts. We can, for, we can confess our sins, and he can change us and transform us as we continue to repent and change. Because look closely here how we are saved. We are not saved. Because of the work we have done. We are saved to do work for him. So we work because we're saved. We don't work to be saved. Because he has done so much for us, I have no choice but to do work for him. Because it's by his grace we have been saved. Look, 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 look at this grace movement. You have died with Christ. You see that in verse 20? And he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of this world such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline. But they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. They provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. We need to realize that if I'm dying with Christ, then I'm living for him, that people are looking to be set free. And since they're looking to be set free, they're finding out that everything they have done is not working. They're finding out that I've tried this, I've tried that, this self-help book, this, but none of it is working. That's the moment, and that's the time when they tell you that none of this is working. You could say, have you tried Jesus? Now listen to the argument. They're going to say, well, I went to the church. I'm saying, I'm glad you went to the church, but have you tried Jesus? They're going to say, I went into this building. I went to this Bible study. He said, that's great. That's great. But have you tried Jesus? What I'm trying to get at, see if you can follow me here. That's like me going to the restaurant and, they, and I come into the restaurant and I walk out hungry. Why am I walking out hungry? 
I didn't eat the food. There's people out there that are desperate to find out Jesus and are looking for somebody to share with them the goodness of this truth that I know you're hungry and I have someone that can give you an all-you-can-eat buffet. And this buffet food will always be fresh and cash it is always free. You know, some buffets have and some restaurants have that children eat free. Jesus said, blessed are the children that come to me. <laughs> he wants all his children to come to him, and he's going to give them everything that they need. Uh, he made his body a living sacrifice for us. Because if I'm died with Christ, I die to this world. And by me dying to this world, help me, Lord, means I'm dead to all the things that satisfy this flesh. And if I'm dead to all the things that satisfy this flesh, that means I'm no longer looking at these things. Death means something has permanently been destroyed or ceased. We need to realize that, that, that we, are, we are fighting the good fight of permanently killing things that are not like him. But one thing we can do as we realize that he says, I have overcome the world. And since he has overcome the world, we can look at our Lord and our Savior in our times of depression, our times of guilt, and our times of shame, knowing that once again we fall the victim to some sin, we can realize that death has been defeated. Sin has been defeated. It has been defeated by grace. When, how do we realize this grace? It's by grace we have been saved. The work of grace was Christ dying on the cross for our sins. He became our grace sin offering when they hung him high and they stretched him wide. They put those nails in his hands. They put nails in his feet. They whipped him before they nailed him to that cross. Blood is shedding down out of his side. He gave up the ghost and he hung his head and died. But they wanted to check to see what was he truly dead? And they pierced him in the side. But even at that moment and at that time, blood and water came out. I'm so glad that even in his time of death, this blood was still pouring out that we would be saved and casted. It could have been one drop of blood. He could have died another way, but he, they drained out his blood so that we can be free. He said, I must, I must, I must die. I must suffer many things and pour out my blood for the remission of sins. We are saved by the work he has done, not that what we do. So now what we do does not save us, but we do because we have been saved. And now we change the way we walk. We change the way we talk. We change the way we act. We change what we look at. We change who we hang around with because we want to honor him. If your mother and your father tell you don't hang around with those such and such kids, they're up to no good. If you love them and honor them, you will try your best to not hang around with them. And when you do hang around with you try to do it in secret because you don't want them to see. And so think about the things we do in secret. Think of the things we do in dark are the things that we are ashamed of. But yet Christ has set us free that we have nothing to be ashamed of anymore. Because we have been set free. Y'all see that in the text? We have been set free. And so when you've been set free, you can walk around with a whole different persona about you. I have died with Christ. So it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. I have died with Christ. So now I live with him 
in him and for him. And no longer am I trying to prove others how great I am, but I'm trying to serve the great I am. And let him be Lord, and I'll be a servant, because if he is Lord, and if he is the head, then I must obey what he has me to do. So are you dead to this world? If you're dead to this world, then you're living for him. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. Please join me in prayer. Lord, we come right now, God, confessing and repenting and surrendering to you right now. Father, see our hearts right now, oh God. Help us, oh Lord, to truly be dead to this world and alive in you. Father, we thank you that you have given us the power of your Holy Spirit that give us the ability to stand against the wicked schemes of the enemy. We thank you, Lord, that we don't have to work our way into heaven, that you died on the cross to save us so that we have a place in heaven. And now that our attitude and our life has changed, Lord, we want to live as citizens in heaven. We want to live as your children and bring glory and honor unto you. Lord, there might be someone here who does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. Lord, I pray that they can confess with their mouth and believe in their heart, and they shall be saved. Lord, I pray that this is not a practice of them just going through a practice of saying repetition words. But, Lord, I pray that they give their heart to you. They give their life to you, and that be the transformation they will see in their lives, seeing you moving and working in their lives because they have surrendered to your great will. Lord, we ask you right now to look amongst us, bless us, keep us, guide us, and direct us that, Lord, we will not get caught up and be deceived by man, but, Lord, we will live in obedience and surrender to your great will. In Jesus' wonderful name, Lord, we pray. All God's children say amen. 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 And may we stand.